0: welcome to stacy on the right with your host stacy washington
1: A lot of these photos are coming out or uh, descriptions are coming out of what's happening in these facilities, painting a picture that's less than favorable. But there are a lot of pictures that have been out in 2014 and 2013 that show similar situations and there wasn't. Here we go in 2014. Uh, where was the outrage on that? Kids uh, alone, without families. That doesn't seem like the best conditions. I mean, it's beefs uh, hanging out in the desert. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot better than that. Some say this is better than the countries they came from. I'll let every, all the experts in that area be the judge. But why is there outrage? now and not then.
2: It's political. It's political. Look, I'm a career law enforcement officer. I don't like getting to politics. But bottom line is, I don't think Congress wants to fix it. I think there's 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 a certain segment, those on the Hill, that want this to be an issue. They can easily fix it. If they really want families to stay together, make one change. Why? Make a change to the TVPRA Trafficking Act. Let us detain families for several weeks until they get to see a judge. As a unit. And will stand by that decision. But they don't want to fix it. They want this to be an issue.
3: Wow. And that's the truth. And I, I'll tell you what the other issue is that as long as we're talking about the family separation or reunification or whatever people are calling it, we're not talking about the IG report. So, welcome to the show. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right, also uh, co chair of the National Advisory Council for Project 21. And we have two guests for you today, jam packed show. We're going to be speaking with Horace Cooper this first hour. He's a senior fellow for. Um, National Center for Public Policy Research, and he's going to come on and talk to us about these border separations and the law behind it. And then, of course, hour two, we have Lauren Zelt, frequent guest of the program. She's going to come on and talk to us about the threats against Melania Trump's son, uh, Barron Trump, by an actor in Hollywood and how they, the first lady called the Secret Service because she took these uh, this threat very, very seriously. So, What did we just hear? You've got this acting ICE director talking about the truth surrounding this this horrendous story. It's really honestly it is tailor made for the Democrats right now because they need something, anything to distract away from Trey Gowdy taking them apart with the IG, the inspector general, Mr. Horowitz coming in uh, and he's he's coming in and, and, and talking about what's going on or what went on. During the 2016 campaign. And so at this point, you have the collusion, the accusation that Republicans colluded or that actually not the Republicans, Republicans on Donald Trump's campaign and Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, when in reality, the collusion that was going on was Democrats colluding with each other in the FBI and uh, all over government, really, to try to stop President Trump from becoming first, you know, candidate Trump from actually winning the election and then afterwards to prevent him from actually governing. This was their active goal. This was what they were working on. This is so explosive, so enormously important that they're willing to turn back to immigration. They're desperate. Anything will do. So let's uh, first finish up with the remainder of the audio from the ICE director he explains what needs to be done in number four.
1: Could the president do this with, with an executive order, keep the families together, build more facilities and get them in front of a judge? Or could we immediately turn them around the minute they show up?
2: The president's hands are tied. There's legislation, there's court decisions on this that limit how long we can detain children. Uh, so it, it, Congress really can fix it. Congress is placing the blame. Look. I've been doing this thirty-four years. This immigration has been a problem thirty-four years. Congress needs to do the job. Sit down rather than going down to their dog and pony shows on the southwest border, rather than vilifying the men and women of ICE, rather than calling us Nazis and racists, sit down, do your job and fix it. It one change. Let us detain the families. I want them to have their hearings too. I want them to see a judge. But when we release them, they don't show up in court. Make a process where if they want to make a claim, talk to a judge. But when that decision is made, and most of them are frivolous claims, they need to go home. We did that back in FY14 when this first started, this surge. And when they were seeing a judge, we held them long enough to see a judge. Most of them lost their cases. They got on the plane and went home. The numbers went down. But now they figured out these loopholes. Now they can only detain us for two weeks. We can't do the process that quick. Get released. Get released into society. That is an enticement for more illegal entry. And the American people need to understand that. They're being fed a falsehood here by many people in the media and the Hill. And it's just, it's just really sad where we're at as a country on this issue.
3: So why would why would the Democrats be willing to risk being found out to be liars when they say that this is something new that President Trump is doing, when in reality, all of the presidents since the Flores decision in 1977 have done the same thing, not to the same scale, because obviously they didn't experience a, you know, 600 percent increase between the time that they took office and. To now, But that's what we're looking at. Since 2013, it's been a 600% increase, 1,700% increase overall. But we're talking about the unaccompanied minors. So the, there's 10,000 or 12,000 minors who have come through. Um, a bunch of them, like, I don't know, 10,000 of them came through unaccompanied. Can you imagine 10,000 kids showing up at the border over a, a, a short period of time? And what are we supposed to do with them? So immediate deportation sounds like the answer to me, but we can't even get that far because the Democrats have actually now completely outed themselves as wanting an imperialistic monarchy instead of what we actually have, which is a representative republic. Donald Trump is absolutely correct when he says that the fix has to happen in Congress. So let's do the history here. First, let's talk about the Flores Consent Decree. It was issued in 1997. And it was the Ninth Circuit Court decision that turned this decree into the illegal alien family separation mess at the border. It was Flores v. Loretta Lynch. That's right. The same players messing things up decade after decade after decade, which goes to show you once you have flawed politicians in office, it's really hard to pry them out because they just keep on circling up. They don't circle down. They circle up. So this is... uh, uh, this case has been multiple different cases, but it all centers around children in the country illegally and what to do with them. And it, it has to do with like, do we have to teach them in public school in their own language? I mean, you would be surprised at how detailed this thing is. Now, I first want to point you to stacyontheright.com. I have a new post up over there today, the Just a Minute that I did, Just a Minute with SOTR, which is the new 60-second spots that we're doing here on the show. I have that one posted up for you if you want to listen to it and share it about the mess at the border. But I have a much more detailed post that's even more important than that one, dare say, because it is... The entirety of the DHS fact check. So Department of Homeland Security under Secretary Nielsen issued a fact check about what is and isn't happening at the border. I recommend that you read it. I'm going to cover a bit of it here. There's a bunch of different things that I want to make sure you have in your your back pocket, in your toolkit when you're dealing with this. Because first of all, you can't expect people who are in this game for the emotional level of it to understand what you're trying to put forward. They don't care if there was a consent decree. They don't care if Bill Clinton did it or if Obama did it. It's only bad because... Trump is doing it because they have Trump derangement syndrome. They hate him. They hate everything he stands for and they hate you for voting for him. So you have to be armed with the facts. Does it mean that the person will listen to you? No, more, more than likely they'll insult you. It doesn't matter if they're a Republican or if they call themselves a moderate. They're going to insult you personally, make spurious comparisons about you, and they're not going to deal in the facts because the facts don't support their position. So head over to Stacey on dot com. I have it right there, pinned to the front page. It's DHS issues a fact check on uh, child separation at the border. You can share that. You can you can even print it off. I have the link to DHS in there, so you know I'm I'm posting something that's legitimately from our government. And so there it is. Now Flores v. Loretta Lynch, the court actually sided with the plaintiff and held that the decree required the government to remove both unaccompanied and unaccompanied, so accompanied and unaccompanied minors from detention facilities within a short period, which is now considered 72 hours, but they have up to 20 days. So the reason that you see them getting separated is because the children by, by order of the government, by law and order of the courts, children cannot be stored in adult detention facilities and adults cannot be stored in children's detention facilities. So the only answer is to deport them immediately or to release them into the country with a de facto no border, or you can build detention facilities for parents and children, which that should send red flags up to you right away. America building huge detention centers on our border to house people who are in the country illegally rather than just erecting a wall to prevent them from coming in? I mean, are you kidding me? I've also heard earlier today some people talking about what are we doing to facilitate Mexicans to move into America because their country's so horrible? I, I hope we're doing nothing. I know we have embassies down there and they have Mexican consulates all over the country where they're literally go you go to the Mexican consulate and everybody in there is there to help you evade deportation and to help you through an asylum claim, um, a green card claim anything you can do to stay in the country That's the Mexican government because their country's so horrible and poorly run that they would rather spend their money on standing up these centers across the country, which we allow them to do to enable their citizens to become citizens of the United States. That's the whole goal. Like they love sending their people here because the immediate thing that happens is you love your family. You, you appreciate the fact that you're in a civilized country and you know, you come from a place that has been termed not so nice things. That's actually true. So you send money back because you want your family to at least have some money if they have to be forced to live in the horrible place that you came from. So back to the Flores Consent Decree. The finding created an unintended set of consequences that mean that the government has to either process any immigration or asylum claim within 72 hours or the children would have to be moved to licensed, non-secure facilities that meet high standards. The result being in any case where the adult alien has been unable to be adjudicated within 72 hours, the kid has to be separated from the parent. Do you see what I'm saying here? So it's not Donald Trump who wrote this law. It's not it's that he's enforcing it, but it's not that other presidents haven't enforced it. The Obama administration was enforcing it until they realized that they were separating parents and kids. They didn't want a PR nightmare. So they just released everybody into America. They just basically said you show up with a kid, we release you into America. We can't separate parents and kids. We don't even know if these are your kids, but we don't want to we don't want to impugn where you're coming from or the culture that you're hailing from or insinuate that you might be trafficking children into America. So we're just going to release you into the into the wild, which is America. Which meant once the people who were released immediately just because they had a child with them communicated back as Illegal immigrants have cell phones, they have email addresses, they have phones, like regular landlines. They can call back to Mexico and say, you'll never believe this, but everybody in the detention center was just released because everybody that showed up with kids, they can only hold you for three days. The backlog is really, really large, 600,000, by the, if, if, if you're wondering, 600,000 cases plus that are ahead of anybody who shows up at the border today. So that means they just release the people out into America. And if you don't show up for your court date, what can they do? They don't know where you are. What are we supposed to do? Send out some kind of uh, deportation force to comb over every square mile of America to find these people? No. So... The Obama administration decides to release both the suspected criminal alien and the, unac- the, unac- the accompanied minor, so the child that they brought with them, into the United States pending trial to satisfy the court decision, although the action failed to enforce U.S. law. Less than 10% of the people who were released into America show up for their hearing. 10%. So the law enforcement. Uh, or the lax enforcement of the law resulted in a massive influx of Central American immigrants with children in tow. They tend to have no documentation of this is my child. Um, the human traffickers use kidnapped children. They use enslaved children to pose as uncom- unaccompanied or accompanied alien minors. And parents now simply drag their children on a dangerous journey to get them here so they can stay. The Flores dissent decree applies to accompanied and unaccompanied minors the Flores dissent decree does not require the release of accompanied parents or guardians and it basically creates a situation where if immigration laws are enforced and the decision is adhered to the minor must be moved to a non-secure licensed facility but the parents have to remain in a secure detainment facility awaiting trial That is where the separation of the illegal families originates, a legal agreement during the Clinton administration and a court decision during Obama's term. Only Congress can make law or a set of laws to remedy this situation. That's your entire argument right there. So the Democrats who are currently all over the news, just before the show, I heard Elijah Cummings and others, people are tweeting about it. They don't want a law out of Congress. Because a law out of Congress would include the end of chain migration and they are never, ever going to budge on that, which is why we need them to end the filibuster so that the Republicans can ram this through before they lose the House in the midterm. Because I don't believe they should lose the House in the midterm, but poor handling of this issue means they will because the public opinion is running against us because they've used fake images of children who were staged for protests to make Americans think there are just hordes of um, immigrant kids someplace screaming and crying their heads off, not being taken care of. It's not true. Deception and lies are the purview of the Democrats. Here we go again. When we get back, we'll have Horace Cooper for you and more Stacey on the right. Stay there.
4: of my favorite things to do in Israel is take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, President of American Family Association and American Family Radio. We'll be taking our annual tour of Israel in March of 2019, but it's time to sign up. We have a lot of folks sign up early and last year, in fact, we filled up several months in advance. So, for all the information on this trip to Israel, a bucket list trip for most people, go to the website twholyland.com. That's twholyland.com. Or for a free brochure, call us at 800-FAMILIES, 800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option five, and leave us your name and your phone number. We'll be flying direct from the States to Tel Aviv and then begin our tour in Jerusalem of Israel. We hope you can join us in 2019.
0: Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with The Legacy Moment. Not long ago, I served on an ordination council. This was a group of ministers who quizzed a young man to see if he met both the theological and character qualifications for the ministry. However, the first time around, the young candidate didn't do so well. After a few months, we re-examined him. Well, this time he did a great job. He was asked if it bothered him that he had to be re-examined. The young candidate said, No, it doesn't bother me. Because I have a bit of a learning disability, and I have always had to do things over again, but I eventually get there. This reminds me that when we retrace our steps and do things over again, the lessons and experiences become a permanent part of who we are. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, this principle is illustrated for us. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel, by which they came out of the land of Egypt by their armies, under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Then these journeys are outlined. I just thought about the journeys. (laughs) All through those journeys, I can imagine people saying, are we going to get there yet? They had to retrace their steps. Ah, but there was a point to it. They had to learn certain lessons. And here God reminds them of those lessons. Let me ask you, have you ever recounted your journeys and thought through what you've learned? We run the danger of being shallow and superficial when we forget where we came from, what we have learned, and what we've been through. Well, here's what I want you to remember and do today. As soon as possible, set aside some time to write down the milestones and significant events in your spiritual journey. You'll have a fresh appreciation for what God has taught you. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacey on the Right on Urban Family Talk.
3: Oh, yeah. Why would the Democrats want to spend time talking about that IG report? Because it is pretty doggone terrible. Not terrible. Terrible. It's terrible. If you don't have any relatives to talk like that, God bless you, because you need them in your life. All right. Welcome back to the show. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on Urban Family Talk and American Family Radio and it's my pleasure to welcome a caller to the show. We have Caesar in Mississippi. Thanks for calling the show.
1: Hey, Stacey. Hey. Hey, I just wanted to say uh, thank you to you and other hosts like uh, Abraham Hamilton III for providing facts to us that um, we can use in our conversations with people. I know, like, for myself, uh, I've been engaging with people on social media that are, like, sharing stories, even from the UK, like all oh, the horrible things of 2000 kids being locked up and stuff. And I used some of the websites that you guys have shared and didn't really get any responses back as far as uh, like, oh, yeah, but the kids like, no, no, here's a here's the facts. Here's the mm-hmm. website, you know, check it out for yourself. And it's, you know, it's been effective in a sense. But I just want to say thank you to you guys uh, for providing us that material that we can
3: use? Uh, thank you for listening. And, and I have to say, uh, it's nice to hear that you're sharing that stuff and that it's actually going out. One of the things that I'm, I'm most concerned about is that people are just accepting this information when it, it doesn't have the ring of truth to it. That it's the law that Americans mm-hmm. at the border are separating kids away from their parents and then storing them in places that are unsafe or that we're doing it just mm-hmm. because we hate immigrants, that, it's, they're do, that Trump is doing it on his own because he made a change to the law when we all know the president can't change the law. And I'm also concerned that he's actually considering issuing an executive order instead of forcing Congress to do their job. They want to leave this in the lap of whoever the sitting president is because it's a great tool to run on for the midterms and for the general. But instead of treating people like get-out-the-vote efforts, they should – do their jobs. Their job is to draft and craft legislation, pass it, and then put it on the president's desk. If he refuses to sign it, then they have something to run on. So, uh, you know, keep sharing that information, Caesar. It's important that we have the truth. If the, if it were true that we were just willy nilly detaining people and keeping kids away from their parents for no reason, then I would be right out there with the best of them, with my voice lifted up, saying we can't do that. But that's not what the truth right. is. And, and they're, they're actually impugning all of us. They're impugning 64 million voters who elected Donald Trump by insinuating that we're somehow Hitler-esque or we like concentration camps or something like that. And we all know that's not true. Right. Thank you for calling. So, yeah, we, I, I want to make sure that you guys – so let me, let me put this in here. While we're, while we're continuing on with this discussion, I want to put the link. It's over at conservativedailynews.com. That is a trustworthy website. I know the people who run it. Uh, they're just just like you and I. They put the website together years ago uh, to make sure that there was a place for unfiltered, you know, not Democrat talking points news to be there. And what they did is they have a number of links that have to do with Flores v. Loretta Lynch, Janet Reno v. Flores, uh, the Consent Decree of 1997, the actual document, they have loaded it in here so you can read it for yourself word for word. And it's in legalese. So the only person I know, you know, Abraham, he he would easily just fly through it. I was skimming through it and getting you get so like tangled up in the, the actual legal words that they use, whereas and all of that. But it's there for you to read. And then they have some breakdowns that kind of explain it. And you can also go to Breitbart. I know so many people have said that Breitbart has fallen out of favor because it's some kind of alt-right site. But then how is Sonny Johnson affiliated with Breitbart if it's an alt-right site or if it's run by white supremacists? It's not. So they may have had some posts on there that I I don't agree with, but that's every website. I found posts I disagree with on The Daily Caller and other huge sites that are really well-respected. So this isn't about whether or not you like Breitbart. They have some great reporting over there, in fact. One of the places I would point you to, if you're the kind of person who needs to read reams and reams and reams of information, one of the best reporters on what's going on at the border and one of the most concerned Americans when it comes to human trafficking of little children and girls and women is Brandon Darby. I've interviewed him before. I know him personally. He's out of Breitbart, Texas. He lives down there, and he's seen it all. He's visited not just detention centers, but the border. Um, He's seen the human trafficking sites, the places where they store the children before they move them on into the the remainder of the country. He's seen it all. And he's done some amazing writing on it as well at Breitbart, Texas. So I'll put the link to this story over at Conservative Daily News um, that that breaks it down. I want to get to a couple of other things. So there's been some discussion that it's, it's the cruelty of Donald Trump. It's his racism. He keeps talking about America not being a migrant camp, which is exactly what they want to turn it into by building family detention centers at the, the border. That basically is an encroachment by the country of Mexico into America. Detention centers for their citizens to wait in while we decide whether or not they can stay. Absolutely unacceptable we need a zero tolerance, immediate turnaround policy where people are simply shipped back out immediately. That's what we need. So we have a couple of things here. First of all, the only choice that Donald Trump has if he wants to be within the bounds of the law is to separate the illegal aliens when they come in because they can't be stored together because it's the law. When you cross the border into the U.S. and you do not have uh, some kind of a paperwork, anything like that. That's the first law you've broken is entering the United States illegally by not adhering to our legal immigration procedures. That's the first law that you've broken. You are now a criminal, illegal alien, and you can be treated as such. Whether or not the government chooses to do so depends largely upon who's the president. But it doesn't mean you haven't broken the law. Uh, So right now, let's let's get some legal help from an eminent expert on the law and a friend of mine, Horace Cooper, Senior Fellow for National Center for Public Policy Research, and he's one of the co-chairs that I serve with on the National Advisory Board for Project 21. Horace, thank you for taking time out today to, to talk to us.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to come on your program.
3: You know, I'm excited to have you on because I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV, but I did read the Flores Consent Decree this morning. My head started hurting a little bit, and then I realized I could call in the Calvary. So I called Judy, and she got you booked for the show. <laughs> so <laughs> help me out here. This, And I think I understand it. Like, I, I read it. I, I believe I've got a grip on it. I also have, like, a summary uh, from Conservative Daily News. But I'm looking for you to kind of help me and the listeners really unpack this thing Is it that Donald Trump is just some evil boogeyman who he's using the Flores consent decree as a way to separate, you know, nursing babies from their moms? Or is this him actually following the law and we're just not used to it because Obama didn't do it?
1: Well, it's closer to the latter, and I'll tell you why. There has been a very effective effort to redefine language so as to create this consternation or problem. Um, There are no federal laws I am aware of, and I could almost say there are 100% no federal laws that I'm aware of that if you require a magistrate's attention, that if you were to be accused of violating, you would not get an exemption because you have a child nearby. If you attempt to enter, if you are an American citizen and you attempt to enter a restricted military base, you will see a sign and it will tell you whether or not that is a criminal or a civil offense to do so. If it says it's a criminal offense to do so, if you have your child in a carriage, strapped to your back, it wouldn't matter if you attempt to enter that facility, you will be arrested and separated from your child. It is not a procedure called let's find excuses to separate people from their children. It is simply a series of legal decisions starting in the late 1960s that hold when you are being criminally detained, your child who is determined to be underage, not able to be accountable for the action, doesn't suffer the same detention that you do. That's all that is happening, and even though these people aren't citizens of the United States, the left has acted as if some new special rule ought to be created Because, quote, merely coming into the country illegally or unlawfully shouldn't constitute a criminal violation. They can say it shouldn't, but it's federal law that stipulates that that is a criminal violation.
3: Federal law that existed well before the advent of Trump derangement syndrome and his presidency, I'm assuming, didn't just happen. That is correct. It's almost 50 years old. Okay, so definitely way before he ever even had his first city council meeting that was, you know, telecast and is on YouTube that you can find him talking about different issues because he's been talking about political things for decades, but only in politics for the past, I'd say, maybe three years. And people are acting as if this all came from him. And it really has zero to do with Donald Trump and everything to do with what I found so fascinating, Horace, the same names bouncing up in my face. Flores v. Loretta Lynch. Janet Reno V. Flores, all the same actors, but this was back in 1997 and then again in 2014 and, you know, over and over again, because this thing took a really long time for them to figure out what they were going to do with it. So it just kind of wound its way through the courts and there'd be a little something here and a little something there and then an appeal here and appeal there and long enough for Loretta Lynch to go from, I guess she was just arguing this um, I'm not sure what, what part of the government she was in, and then all of a sudden she's, you know, in the Obama administration, and it's still something she's working with.
1: So absolutely. And I, I just want to reiterate again, uh, as you said, this is a problem. Um, this is a phenomenon, not a problem, a phenomenon that's uh, preceded the president's uh, election in 2016. And the rules, and by the way, uh, we're not minimizing, we're not maximizing. We're just trying to make sure people understand the facts. Here are the facts. The lion share of children who come from other countries to the United States in the last three years, and this is a trend that is true for much of the Obama administration. The lion share of those children, Come without their parents. I will say that again. They come without their parents. I'm not clear on all of the outrage that I'm hearing why, if 70 plus percent of the children are here and their parents are not in the country, it looks to me like they are separated, but that it was a decision of the parents one that does not cause the same outrage, the same anger, the same vitriol, and yet a system that simply says those fewer who do come with their parents, we're going to treat them the same way we treat any Americans when they violate federal law. If you are a young black woman who is late, for work and your kid is in the back seat and you drive down a federally uh, maintained facility highway like the Baltimore Washington Parkway or the George Washington Parkway, which goes through a federal park, and you are traveling at 85 miles an hour in a posted limit of only 45, they will detain you and they will separate you from your child. And they don't say, oh, since you've got a child, we're not going to hold you responsible (laughs) for this violation. That is the law. There are people sitting in jail today who have violated this law. There are no protests. There's none of this activity.
3: It's not just that there are no protests and there's no activity. It's that most Americans would say, well, Then you shouldn't have been speeding down that parkway or you shouldn't have held up that liquor store with your kid in tow or what kind of parent are you to do this crime while your kids with you? Who 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 carjacks somebody with their kid or who you know, the the logic is it's your fault. Look at you. You're a horrible parent. Look what you're doing with your kid with you and you know you're going to get arrested and now your kid is in foster care where you got they actually have to find your relative locate them and I've heard stories of kids getting lost in foster care where they're getting moved around from home to home and the family member the closest of kin is trying to locate them because the parent is incarcerated and and so the kid is literally they they can't really tell where does your grandmother live I don't know where she lives but I do have a grandma what's her name grandma so the kid can't help the government is is really inept at keeping good care of kids in foster care. And then you've got the grandparents who they literally don't physically know where the child is. This happens in America every day as well. I mean, honestly, this is a real problem that Americans have with our current government that manages kids who don't have good parents. And we're supposed to be concerned about hundreds of thousands of people who want to come into the country illegally and them bringing extra kids here.
1: Yeah. Now, let's, let's keep in mind, we're talking about 22,000 uh, young people that have come um, with their parents, not the nearly 80,000 that came without their parents over the last couple of years. Compare 5,000? that with the nearly 500, nearly half a million people who are behind bars who were, are separated from their child and a quarter of whom can be shown to have committed the crime while the child was present. These numbers easily dwarf or overwhelm the other group. I'm not picking one set of families over another. I am concerned that it seems very convenient to feign all of this outrage when there are scores and scores and scores Of americans who have been separated from their family and as you point out because they behaved horribly but no such statement is made i don't understand why you would let a scavenger a human trafficker take your daughter for a 40-day trip from south america to the United um, States and Morris, just Can, I, can I, I get you to hold
3: over um, to the, the next break can I get you to hold over and we'll be yes. right back that's the music just, we'll be right back with you stay there everybody we'll have more with Horace when we get back
5: A dear sister in the Lord, who is a writer for the AFA Journal, wrote an astonishing article about idols. In this article she attests to the fact that if we are truly honest with ourselves, we will find things or people whom are more important in our lives than our relationship with God. Let's just say when I read this, I did my own soul searching and found a few. There are several passages in God's word where he tells us to not idolize things or people. Even the very first two commandments warns us about idolatry. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 21, John tells us to keep ourselves from idols idolatry is sin and it could be your career your marriage your car including yourself john piper says it best sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with god how do you get satisfied and excited about god refresh your memory of what the savior of the world did on the cross and ask the lord to help you make him number one in your life with a heart for the urban family i'm today's urban woman victory mcintosh connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com
0: Family is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families, or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood, urbanfamilytalk.com.
4: Abraham Hamilton III.
0: God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fool because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his
5: ambassadors, even in this dark moment.
0: Tune in to The Hamilton Quarter weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk.
1: Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, Noah's Ark Explorer from the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, can you tell us anything new about the search for Noah's
4: Ark? Chris, the search for Noah's Ark is always on the minds of that set of people that have Ark fever, and I'm one of them. I've been involved in the search for Noah's Ark since 1970 and have led numerous expeditions to Mount Ararat. In the last 15 years or so, hardly anybody has legally been on Mount Ararat. We have, however, been able to search from satellite photography, but with no firm indication that the ark has been found. The Bible does not predict that the ark will be found, so we don't have that to look to, but we do have a lot of evidence. Hundreds of people claim to have seen the ark, but we just don't have any proof. A lot of smoke, but no fire. The ark did exist, that we're told back in Genesis, but does it exist today? maybe. To learn more about
0: creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right.
3: Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're continuing our discussion with uh, Senior Fellow for National Center for Public Policy Research, Horace Cooper. Um, Horace, over the break, I noticed that The president has signed an executive order saying that the kids can remain with their parents. So that's still only a sliver of the kids who are going to be impacted when you talk about the numbers that you quoted us last segment. Yeah. So what does this really do?
1: So uh, what the practical way that his executive order is going to work is that there's going to be a requirement that while you are being processed, your kids are in sight of you. That's what this means. There isn't much change. It will be a lot more expensive, um, but it will meet the um, complaints that say that it is fundamentally unfair when you're breaking the law that your kids are, are temporarily separated from you while we process you. Another thing, though, by the way, that Uh, the administration is going to be doing at the same time is they're now going to take some kind of biometric assessment. One, we have a number of people who say that uh, they have been uh, victimized in their home countries, and they're asking for asylum, and they have talked to uh, lawyers Many times they haven't talked to lawyers, they've just gotten some information from the Mexican government as to what to say. And by the way, I just want your audience to understand, I'm not talking about Mexican immigrants. The government of Mexico facilitates the ability of people who seek to enter America without being lawfully entitled to do so. I mentioned that right before you
3: came on. I mentioned that because they have consulates here in the U.S. to coach the people, and they also help people within Mexico who want to come here because they know they're going to send money back. One-third of their GDP is remittances from the U.S., so of course they want people here. It's a moneymaker for them.
1: They absolutely want their own citizens to do this, but they even facilitate non-citizens to do this. This is hostile behavior. But the point I'm making is that when you attempt to effectuate your asylum request, some of the folks know that if any investigation were to occur, there's no evidence that they are somehow being victimized. And so they simply plan on never showing up again. Or if they are caught again, they give a different name and a different location in the hope that they can just start the process over again. A biometric test, either a, a fingerprint or a, a video camera picture of your eye or some other type of identifier is now being done as a way to make sure you are person number and we give an identified number with, and any time we encounter that person, we have them. Plus, they are now going to do biometric sampling to see if the child that you are t- traveling with is actually related to you. And how are they related to you? Again, a lot of outrage over this process that wouldn't happen if people didn't violate the law. If you get on an airplane and fly to America, you are not getting separated from your mother and father. It's only if you attempt to enter the country unlawfully. You may even apply for asylum without getting separated. It's only if you apply unlawfully for asylum that you're getting separated. Americans have not been given a full, comprehensive understanding of what's going on.
3: No, they haven't. And and so that's why it's so good that we have you here to explain this to us. So the executive order basically takes care of two things, the public relations nightmare, which will now yeah. be over because they can't say that he's still doing this. And second of all, it gives Congress, Congress still has to pass a law or do something because this, doesn't, this isn't a permanent fix, as we've seen with so much of Obama's legacy that Trump has effectively eliminated with the stroke of a pen is because it was started with the stroke of a pen. And, and honestly, isn't that why the Democrats want him to act? They always accuse him of being Hitler, a monarch, some kind of uh, wannabe dictator. And using an executive order to handle this problem instead of going through Congress is more action like that of Obama, which is only temporary.
1: Absolutely. And any member, uh, any new executive could come in and repeal it. And in addition, a court could challenge it as having been improvident, improvidentially issued. It does not have the enduring capability and understanding of a law. The fundamental issue here is this. We have been saying over the last few years, particularly of the Obama administration, please come to our country illegally. People have heard that message, and they have come. Late in the Obama administration, they said, it will be easier for you to come illegally if you bring a child with you. Now what we are seeing are people who have been believing that message that was put forward by our government, by some businesses, by mainstream media. They are now suffering the consequences of that. The truth of the matter is, if we were able to endure the public relations disaster for a few weeks, the message would in fact get out because most parents love their children. Most parents want to be helpful in the lives of their children, and they don't want to put them in a dangerous situation.
3: So since we didn't withstand the onslaught of the democrats we're we're now having to possibly build these new detention facilities to house these families And will will we be able to stop the because it's it's every month it's increasing. It's getting more and more. uh, These unaccompanied minors are showing up. People who are not actually related to these kids are dragging them across the border to come and file for asylum claims. Does how do we how do we get the deterrent activity back of what they were doing? Because it was definitely upsetting the Democrats. We know it was working because Democrats were upset.
1: So, um. Today's New York Times, and I'm not recommending any of your audience uh, that they read it. I've done the heavy lifting for them. (laughs) Today's New York Times actually went over the border and went to a caravan of, of potential immigrants and asked them what they understood was going on, and they are aware that it is no longer the same open, welcoming mat That used to be there, and a number of those, in fact, every single potential immigrant queried said, Now is not a good time. In this very same story, they asked immigrants' rights people, they asked progressives, and they asked some elected people. All the elected Democrats, the progressives, and the immigrants' rights people said, Everyone is going to keep coming, everyone is going to keep coming nothing is going to stop them. Remarkably, the five different immigrants that they found to talk to all said they had heard what was going on and now wasn't the time. So that message is getting out and even this executive order will not act as a magnet because it simply says that there's the zero tolerance for allowing you to come in and Check yourself back to court at some future date in six or nine months. That is over. No longer is that occurring, even with this executive order. It's going to be expensive. That's what I pointed out earlier. We are just going to do whatever it takes financially to stem the flow of interest in coming to the country unlawfully.
3: Okay, so, Horace, we have a few minutes left, and I need... More legal expertise, but this time we're flipping over to the IG report. So I I believe you and I can agree that the reason why all of a sudden, not during the Obama administration, but during the Trump administration, it's so important that illegal immigrant kids stay with their parents is because the IG report shows a concerted effort by members of the FBI leadership to prevent the election of Donald Trump. And once unable to do that, to find a way to remove him from office. And so there's no one disputing that. Liberals aren't even on TV denying that that's what happened. The text messages are clear. What happens now?
1: Okay, in the case of a former senator from Alaska, his name's escaping me this very second, he was found guilty of um, receiving a bribe from a contractor. In that particular case, we found out later that... One of the FBI agents was having an adulterous relationship with the, I, the, one of the key witnesses. Mm. Another one of the FBI agents was in business with one of the other witnesses, and the prosecutor of the case had evinced a personal animus against the senator. That case ended up going all the way up to the Supreme Court but before it could get to the court this evidence came forward and the Attorney General of the United States under Barack Obama ended up dismissing the case with prejudice firing one of the prosecutors and firing also the FBI agents only because that senator died in a plane crash Shortly after his trial, did we not see the lawsuit that would naturally have occurred because of this abuse? There isn't an ideal candidate in the case with Donald Trump of someone who would go into federal court and say, these abuses, this animus, this misbehavior shouldn't be sanctioned, there should be some consequence associated with it. The problem at present is there isn't a third party other than the president who has who could say I have been injured or harmed as a result of this. But the fact patterns are essentially the same. If they misbehave in this way, there are consequences all the way down the line. I'm most disappointed that there is some claim that the person leading the investigation on the emails who held an animus against the president is said not to have helped steer the outcome of what information was ultimately given to the prosecutors. How could he not have done that?
3: Yeah, i i don't I don't understand that either. Which is why I asked you about it because I thought maybe it was just me not getting the whole legal side of it. So I, I'm, I'm running out of time here, but I'm I'm I guess what I'm asking you is. How is it possible that this investigation would continue on when it has been so tainted? The first nine months of the investigation, Peter Strzok was running it. The, I'm talking about Trump-Russia collusion. We have seen no signs that there's uh, any evidence that there's been collusion. How could the, the, the investigation run on against the president when everyone who was running it was so hopelessly biased against him?
1: Um. If you were sitting in my class, you'd get the gold star for raising the question that's the most critical one. This case doesn't look anything like what a prosecuting attorney's case might appear to be. One is, you would identify a statute that's been violated. Collusion isn't one. Two, you wouldn't have any agents working on it who were political enemies of the president. Three, you wouldn't appear, the prosecutor himself wouldn't appear to bring upon other prosecutors who have exhibited animus. Uh, going from maxing out how much they can give and donate to his political opponent to showing up at the political party to engaging in rhetoric that seemed highly non independent. All of this behavior makes it seem like this is the most unusual type of investigation that I've ever seen. And I think if you could politically go into court. Uh, if you could withstand the political pon- penalties of going into court of the media, etc, you might be able to get the Supreme Court to rule that this actual prosecutor doesn 't even have standing to bring information to a grand jury.
3: <laughs> this is why I needed to talk to you today. Thank you, Horace Cooper, a senior fellow with National Center for Public Policy Research also friend of the Hostess with the mostest, Stacey on the right, and one of the co-chairs of National Center's Project 21 National Advisory Council. Thank you for your time today. I think Thanks this is on. one of the podcasts that people will be sharing for, for days. So thank you, Horace. Uh, talk to you again soon. Um, you know, so a little, little background there as we go out of the first hour. Horace and I and and uh, David Radenauer, who is the president of National Center, we did, a, and it was at least almost 40 minutes of a trek around the grounds of the perimeter of the White House, trying to find an access point to go in for our meeting at the White House to discuss our blueprint, which we presented to staffers there. So I got to know Horace pretty well that afternoon. We just walked and chatted and walked and chatted some more until we found a point where we could enter. All right, that's the first hour. We'll be back with more after these important messages from One News Now. And uh, so stay there.